Hey, it's Martin. It's August 1st, and you're listening to another episode of Nutty in NYC. Now, those of you that know me probably know that I've been paying a lot of attention to social media lately. In years past, I'd established a presence on Twitter, but now I've pretty much abandoned that. But today, I wanted to speak about the case for journalists to leave Twitter. Now, the fact that Twitter is a mess is not news or a surprise. The transition to the new X logo and the elimination of the blue bird is just another exercise in Elon Musk's narcissism. Truthfully, I'm skeptical of the platform's ability to survive given the precarious decline of its recently reported advertising revenues, apparently somewhere in the region of 50%. And then, of course, there is the ongoing periodical and increasing technical instability of the platform. But what does surprise me over the past few months is how reporters have continued to support Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days, especially in the face of multiple disturbing actions by Elon Musk, the owner of the platform, which are in truth antithetical to the world of serious journalism. Take for example the arbitrary suspensions of journalists in December 2022, or the restoration of some of the worst members of the far slash lunatic right to the platform itself. And then, of course, there is the amplification of disinformation by Elon Musk. Clearly, Elon Musk's control of Twitter, or X, is toxic. He may have appointed Linda Yaccarino as CEO, but I expect he will continue to participate on the platform in an unpredictable and destructive way. Now... I understand that many journalists have worked long and hard to cultivate a significant following on Twitter. But there is the issue of ethics and morality in continued support of such a degraded and debased platform. I imagine many feel queasy about their continued involvement with the network. I would suggest that journalists formulate a plan to withdraw and more importantly, migrate to a decentralized network. Now, why decentralized? Because nobody can own it. And there is no threat of a Musk-like acquisition. Mastodon is the obvious choice, and a number of journalists have already established a presence there. I have the pleasure of reading Anne Applebaum of The Atlantic and commentator Robert Reich on the platform to name just two well-known journalists. I will admit to being more than a bit biased here, as Mastodon is the platform that I choose as my new social media home. For journalists, I think you'll find a welcoming community for your reporting. I know of a story that was widely circulated about Mastodon administrators being hostile to journalists blocking a journalism instance or server and all its members. What is important to understand about that story is that it was confined to 200 instances in a world of some 7,000. So we're not really talking about a major issue here, more talking about a clickbait story. Now, I'm not denying that it did happen, 
you may very well ask the question, why did it happen? And that's difficult to know exactly, because the banning took place in the go-go months of the Mastodon sign-up surge in November of last year. Admins of each of those 7,000 instances, or servers, were stretched to the max, and in some cases, a little contagious paranoia may have manifested itself. How many continue to ban the journalism instance? That's not known to me, and there's very little in the way of follow-up reporting that I have detected, making me think that this is no longer an issue. If you're a journalist and you think Mastodon is somehow hostile to your work, I think otherwise. Now, moving to Mastodon has attendant benefits from a journalist's perspective. On Mastodon, you don't waste time figuring out an opaque algorithm whose underlying machinations and shifts can relegate your work to obscurity. No algorithm exists. You either have a following or you don't. All that matters is the quality of your work and your willingness to engage. Nor are your posts, engagements, and personal feeds contaminated with unwanted advertising for products that are unaligned with your values. At a bare minimum, journalists should be establishing a position on Mastodon by at least cross-posting. In my view, journalists will find a far better level of thoughtful engagement than any available on Twitter. Media companies, both small and large, can host their own instance on Mastodon in their own right, which limits dependence on the whims of other instance administrators. Establishing that kind of presence is inexpensive, and there are plenty of services available which will handle the setup and maintenance. If you work for a major media company, I'd suggest you encourage your employer to make the move. And at the time of recording today, I noticed that the BBC has set up their own specific instance. I look forward to other major media companies doing the same. But back to Twitter. The truth is, Twitter is in a precarious financial situation. Its debt burden of 13 billion is not sustainable given the collapse of the platform's advertising revenue. At the time of Elon Musk's acquisition, the company's annual revenue stood at approximately $5 billion. Now, with top-line revenues dwarfed by the debt burden and with costs that barely turned a profit before the acquisition, the road to sustainable profitability looks daunting. Twitter had to grow fast and or cut costs. The dramatic cuts came as we all know, with something verging on the edge of corporate brutality. What didn't come was growth in the user base, and then advertisers started taking their leave in the face of questionable or non-existing content management. Now, default and bankruptcy is more likely than not. The eager backers that financed the initial Twitter acquisition are no longer besotted by Musk brilliance and won't be ponying up additional cash for incompetence. Is this a financial profile of a company which journalists should be anchoring themselves to? 
all of this without reference to the disturbing welcome being extended to some of the most problematic trolls in social media. Those types are frequently purveyors of disinformation that is both damaging and potentially deathly dangerous. One just has to think about the COVID crisis to understand this. These nihilistic merchants of disinformation contribute nothing to the constructive conversation that should be taking place in the public digital square. Ah, uh, but yes, Twitter is not a public square at all. It is controlled by the whims of an unpredictable oligarch who has shown himself to be willing to ban reporters whose work doesn't meet with his approval. So why opt for another non-public square? Decentralization is where it's at. The writing is on the wall. It's time to make the move. Join Mastodon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nutty in NYC. You can find this and other episodes on all major podcast platforms or at my website, which is nuttyinnyc.com. The theme music featured on this episode was composed by Leah Rankin. For more on Leah and her wonderful cello music, please visit her website at batcellopr.com. That is B-A-T-C-E-L-L-O-P-R dot com.